up here already. So, so we're going to um, <clears throat> finish up this, this sermon series on what it means to be a part of the body of Christ today. And you're going to have an opportunity at the end to respond. Um, but just to review, the first week we talked about how there's going to be a time when we have to submit to the authority of the church. And there's sometimes where we're going to have to be the authority of the church and speak up. Maybe it's with our kids or maybe it's with someone in our, our circle of friends where we have to speak up on behalf of God and, and speak prophetically in the lives of others. And in the second week, we talked about how every single one of us plays an eternally significant role. Every single one of us plays a role that has an impact on eternity if we choose to to accept it. It's not just those who have a microphone. It's not just those who step up a couple of stairs on a Sundays, right? It's every single one of us. And it's so important. In fact, pastors, though they make an impact on the world, are really most effective when they equip the people of God to do ministry. It's also, we looked at the week three, how it's also our responsibility as individuals to be ready. Right? I can't make you ready. Right? You have to get right with the Lord. Right? The people that we know that aren't right with the Lord, it's their responsibility to be ready. And we want to pray for that for everyone. We want to encourage that in every way in the life of the world. And then last week we talked about tithing. And, uh, you know, usually the week after tithing sermon, you know, the crowd's a little bit smaller. So uh, I'm glad you guys are all here today. Um, and uh, I, I know that giving to support the ministry is a part of the way of the Christian life. Right? That, is, that, is, that is the way that it is. It's not a guilt trip. It's just a fact, right? And, and we want to encourage that uh, amongst the Christians that are a part of our church to, to support the ministry of the church because the ministry of the church helps all of us and those who aren't even a part of us. It helps us to accomplish the things that God wants us to do. Today we're going to wrap up by talking about what it means to be a part of the church by, by defining at the beginning what the church is. Now, if you've been a part of the church for any length of time, you know what the church is. You've experienced it. You've seen it. But sometimes as we go to church and attend church and participate in activities at church, sometimes we start to think things about the church that aren't quite true. And so I want to just take just a little bit of time and, and just, just re-emphasize those things. And to do that, to answer the question, what is the church, I want to spend a little bit of time, kind of for fun, walking through almost every letter Paul writes to the church. And, and, and I want to show us how he addresses them, right? The books of the Bible, they're, they're, they're books, yes, but, but some of them aren't really books. They're, they're letters, right? And, and so when you write a letter, there's a salutation, right? A, a dear someone. And in the, in the letters... Right? You, you see at the very beginning who they're addressed to. And so let's just go through these for fun. In and, and the book of Romans, Paul addresses the church in Rome like this. To all those in Rome, not to one person, to all those in Rome. And, and which, the, which of those in Rome? Those who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Paul understood what the church was. It was those 
loved by God and called by God to be his saints, the group of those people. He addresses the church in Corinthians like this in Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. He, he addresses the church, not an address. He addresses the people who are saved by the grace of God. In 2 Corinthians, the second letter, so to speak, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God and Timothy, our brother, to the church of God that is in Corinth with all the saints. And every one of them, really, our English translation doesn't do this right. Paul would say, all y'all there in Corinth. Right? In Galatians chapter 1, he says this, to the churches of Galatia, because there was one, more than one group that met, to the churches, to all y'all churches in Galatia, who gave himself for our sins to deliver us, all of us, from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father. In Ephesians, he says this, Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God to the saints who are in Ephesus. In Philippians, he says this, Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus to all the saints in Christ Jesus who are at Philippi. In Colossians, he says this, to the saints and faithful brothers in Christ. Right? The point is this. You could go through every epistle, every letter he writes, and you'll find the same thing. Paul does not send it to a location. He sends it to those people. And that helps us understand the definition of the church. And most of us know this. But just as a reminder, so we never start to believe something false. The church is not this building. This building is a tool that we get to use to bring about the glory of God here on earth. We get to use it to help people. We get to use it to gather in. And, and, and I know that we know this, and I know this is a reminder, but this is what's so great is when we think of the church, we, we think of it as something that is great and powerful and mighty and good. And it ain't a building. It is you. And it is me. It is us. Paul describes a church like this in 1 Corinthians. He says this, For the body, the church, the church body, does not consist of one member. Neither did Paul address one member in these letters to the churches. It's, uh, the letters he writes to one person, that's a different ballgame altogether. But he's talking to the church in these different locations. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many, all of us. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews, Greeks, slaves are free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, <clears throat> are one body, so it is with Christ. The church is not an individual. It is the community. It is the community that confesses Jesus Christ. Right? So the church is not everybody. The church is those people, those groups of people that confess Jesus Christ. So there's going to be groups of people out there in the world that do not confess Jesus Christ as Lord. Right? They fall into other categories, social clubs, cults, uh, you know, other organizations, right? But those who those communities that confess Jesus Christ, that is the church, right? The body of Christ called together by the Holy Spirit through the word of God. The early Christian church, they did not have buildings like we do today. Now, I mean, they had places that they gathered, right, usually in homes or someplace in, in private because 
Well, it would have been dangerous for them to have their own building. It wasn't popular enough yet. It, gathering together as a Christian in a, in a Christian building wouldn't have been a safe place. That place would have been raided, taken down, destroyed. So for centuries, the Christians were persecuted and met in secret. But as Christianity grew, if you know the church history, it spread and eventually it became popular. Eventually it became legal. Eventually nations would, would utilize this to, to kind of solidify their power, right? And they would, they would let churches meet and let churches gather and let people build buildings. And then that's when churches did what we do today. They would buy land and build buildings and establish them, themselves in a location. Great part of the church history. But even with this change that we now are able to do here in Sandersville and across the world, even though that's changed, the church is still not a building, so we don't want to ever let that creep into our understanding. Yeah. And we want to make sure our kids and our kids' kids remember this. Because there are places in Europe where people go to church as a tourist stop. Empty, beautiful buildings erected to give glory to God. But people, few people worship God there. The church still meets, but just not in the building because they meet somewhere else. Maybe the church is shrinking, maybe the church is small, but the point I'm trying to make is they fell into this idea that the church was a building. And they spent a lot of resources and a lot of time erecting this huge building. And now those buildings are empty. So the church is you and me. Now let's take a little bit of time talking about what the church is not. And this is also for fun. The church is not perfect. In the sense that we define perfection. Right? There is no such thing as a perfect church. And if you find it, don't join it because you'll mess it up. You probably heard that joke before. At least I've heard it before. But you got to use it, right? It's so good. Is there such a thing as a perfect church? No, absolutely not. In the first church, the one established by Jesus Christ, it wasn't perfect either. Right? One of Jesus' followers betrayed him. In Luke 22, verses 47 and 48, we, we hear this, while he was still speaking, there was a crowd, and a man called Judas, one of the twelve, was leading them. And as the crowd and Judas drew near to Jesus to kiss him, Jesus looks at him and says, Judas, would you betray the Son of Man with a kiss? And as the story goes, Judas was betraying Jesus, and this happened in that first church, in that first, first church, betrayal of the Lord Jesus. All of them deserted him and fled in Matthew 26. At that hour, Jesus said to the crowds, Have you come out as a, against a robber with swords and clubs to capture me? Day after day I sat in the temple teaching, and you did not seize me. But all this has taken place, that the scriptures of the prophets might be fulfilled. Then all the disciples left him and fled. They ran in that early church. They ran. They deserted him. Not perfect. His key leader, Peter, disowned him, right? Peter, I do not know the man. And immediately the rooster crows, and Peter remembered the sayings of Jesus before the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. And he went out and wept bitterly. 
leadership didn't even stay strong in that first church. And many disciples turned their backs and no longer followed him. This is found in John chapter 6, verse 66. After teaching something very difficult, which Jesus often did, many of the disciples no longer walked with him. If this happened under the watchful eye and leadership of the perfect human, Jesus Christ, we can expect that we'll have some shortcomings too as a church. So let's not hold ourselves up to a standard that's impossible. And let's help those around the world who think about us like hypocrites. Let's help, let's help redefine this whole thing. Right? Let's, let's help everybody to know that we are not perfect. Let's never claim to be perfect. Let's never pretend to be perfect. Let's, let's own the fact that we are not perfect, but that we are trying our very best to do the right thing in the name of Jesus. So what the church is, what the church is not, what are we supposed to do in the meantime, right? We know this. This is review, right? The mission of the church in the world is to share the redemptive and reconciling ministry of Jesus Christ to everyone we meet. To make Christ-like disciples of the nations is what the Church of the Nazarene says its mission is. The church fulfills this mission in a number of ways. We, we worship, we evangelize, we nurture and edify believers, we, we disciple them, we raise them up. We also do things that show compassion to others. We try to, we try to establish justice and fairness, and we also bear witness to the coming kingdom of God. So we are to worship. Right? We did some worship this morning. And worship is God-centered. It is, it is centralized on God. We don't, we don't worship to be entertained. We're not, inter we're not here to put on a show. Right? It's not to be flashy. It's not, to be, it's not like flash and entertainment is bad or evil. But when we worship, we worship God. <clears throat> I've been the pastor at different locations. And, and I've heard other pastors talk about their ministry. And, and, and one of the great struggles that, that just about everybody who pastors a congregation deals with is the issue of preference about what happens up here on a Sunday, right? Whether it be the, the dress code or the, or, the, or the music or the Bible translation or the style. And you, some of you are grinning and you know what I'm talking about, right? And, and this is just a, a real thing. But you know what? All that stuff, all those preferences, they are not why we're here. Right there, there are going to be times when we don't have any instruments. There are going to be times when we have no microphones. There are going to be times when you when you find yourself in places in the world that dress different and act different and talk in different languages. But we are sh we should be able to worship God wherever we find ourselves, shouldn't we? In whatever way that's appropriate that we find taking place, we should worship God every day, in and out, when we gather, when we're at home. We should worship. We're called as the people of God to worship. And it's a lot easier to stop complaining when you're worshiping. Right? When the negativity creeps in, maybe you should say, God, help me to worship and be thankful. We're also called to disciple or educate. Right? This involves edifying believers. That's just a fancy word for building them up, nurturing them, feeding them, making sure that they are Growing, All we get to do is plant seed and water and encourage. The Lord makes that 
grow. To this end, every church has things going on that, that provides opportunity for discipleship. We have small groups. We have Bible studies. We have Sunday school. We have sermons. We have ministries that take place all the time to give people an opportunity to be discipled or to learn to make disciples. We're also to evangelize. This means reaching out to the lost, those that do not know Jesus. And even in Sandersville, even in Washington County, there are people who do not know Jesus. There are lots of people who know about Jesus, but do not know him. And we're to reach out to that world with the message of gospel, of the gospel. And, and Ephesians 5.25 gives us an example of what this might look like for us. Ephesians 5.25 says this, Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, cleansing her by the washing of the water with the word so that he may present the church to himself in splendor without spot of wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish. This is what Jesus has done for the church. Now, we can't do this. This is only what God does. But we get to lead people to, to this. The Lord equips us, gives us the ability to lead people to Jesus, where then Jesus can cleanse them and, and wash them and save them and remove all the wrinkles and help them to be whole and new and saved and set apart for the work of ministry and for the rest of their days. That is something that should excite us. It should make us feel important. It's not all about our feelings, but it should give us confidence that we have a purpose and a mission and something valuable that we have to offer, something that, that, is, that is bigger than us as individuals, that is bigger than us as Sandersville First Church of the Nazarene, that is bigger than your work, that is bigger than your family. It is something that you get to be a part of, leading people to a, an eternal, eternally significant decision where they get to make a choice to follow Jesus. In Ephesians 3, a couple of chapters earlier, Paul describes how we, the church, get to do this, right? Through the church, the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. And this chapter, there's, there's more to this, but, but basically what Paul is saying is God has chosen to use the church to make himself known to the world. We are the tool, the engine, the, the instrument that God has chosen to use. We don't get to say someone else gets to do that. We don't get to say that's somebody else's job. That's our job. That's our role. It is us who makes God known. God uses us to make himself known to the world. Paul is a great example of this. In 1 Corinthians 9, verses 19 through 22, which is probably one of those passages that you're going to hear me read all the time. For though I am free from all, Paul says, I have made myself a servant to all. Though I can do whatever I want in Christ, he says, I don't. I've humbled myself to be a servant to all. That I might win more of them. To the Jews, I became as a Jew in order to win Jews. 
To those under the law, I became as one under the law, though not being myself under the law, that I might win those under the law. I did, I changed my methods. I changed the way I talked. I, 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 I got in with those groups of people so that I could win some of them. To those outside the law, I became as one outside the law, not being outside the law of God, but under the law of Christ, that I might win those outside the law. To the weak, I became weak so that I could win some of the weak. I become all things to all people that by all means I might save some, he says. Right? Everything he could do, he did it with the motivation of leading some people to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I'm passionate about this, but I also know I fail at this. Right? I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. I would like to be able to say to you every moment of every day, Lord, I give you my heart every moment of every day, but I don't. And if you're honest, you'd say the same thing. You can pretend. But this is where the Lord helps us. This is how we grow. We confess where we're weak. And we say, God, help me to grow and use me in the midst of those things. And, and help me to be more today than I was yesterday. Right? Worship, evangelism, education, nurturing, edifying believers, showing compassion. These are the things that are our job. And when the church fails to do these key roles, the church, we, we're not doing what God has designed us to do. And we should... Get this, we should feel bad about that. You may have heard that it's okay to not feel bad about anything, but I'm telling you, that is not the wisdom of the Lord. Right? The wisdom of the Lord is when we fall short, conviction. And then when we are convicted by the Lord, we turn back to Him. There's another word, repent, is what they say. It's, it's, it's not that we, we are lost or that we need to go and be depressed. It's that God help me to repent. I want to turn back to you. I don't want to be apathetic anymore in this walk. I'm so thankful that the person who led me to you, Lord Jesus, the person, the church that you used, Lord God, to, to help me come to know you, that they weren't apathetic during those days. Those same people, they had struggles just like I do, but those same people probably said, God, I need your help so that I can help you do what you want to do on this earth. The church is you and me. And when we're not doing our part, we aren't doing our part. Isn't that amazing? So simple. So simple, right? So this last message in this sermon series is just to remind us of those, these basic truths. But then also, try and convince all of us to be a part of a local congregation. I know many of you are already members of the St. Angeles First Church of the Nazarene, but I also know some of you aren't, and that's okay. If you are or you're not, it's not like you get a better house in heaven, <laughs> right? All right, you're not a second-class citizen down here, you're not a second-class citizen up there, all right? But here's some things that I want to just kind of go over as we wrap up and then 
and, and go towards the end. I, I want to ask this question, why be a part of the church? One, you're not really a part of the church if you're not actually present. Right? You may be saved by the grace of God on your own. And that's, that's good. But there is this contradiction of a way of thinking that many people try to, try to convince themselves of. And that's this. Um, commitment and consistency and attendance, these things are a part of the body of Christ. This is, this is a part of what we're called to do as individuals. I'm not going to add a million rules to your life. You know, you'll never hear me say that. And if you do, you call me out on it, right? You call me out on it and say, this is, this is just bad. But, but let me just say this. If you want to play football, you have to show up. Right? You're not going to make any stat line if you're not at the game on Friday, Saturday, or Sunday. You're not going to contribute anything. You're not a football player. You might think you are. <laughs> or identify yourself as one. I, I didn't mean to go there. This is one of the issues with Christianity. Is when we think that just because we say it on our own without actually being present, that those are two the same thing. The church needs you. When, when, when that brick, when you, the brick, the building blocks of the church, when you are missing from the church, that church is missing something. And I said this a couple weeks ago. When you're missing, we miss you. Your absence, whether we want to say it or not because we don't want to be rude, it hurts us because we're missing what you bring to the team. It's hard to be a part of the church when you're not present. And church membership is about being present and active and committed to a group. You being committed to the group and the group being committed to you. And that brings me to the last part of this whole thing. Membership in a church involves this mutual shared benefit and this mutual shared risk. Right? Anytime you enter into some sort of relationship with a team, there's risk. All right? you, you have to hand the ball off to a running back and they fumble the ball. There was some risk in that exchange, wasn't there? Not to keep going with the sports analogy, but you know. Right? Membership involves benefits and risks, and here are some of them. One, one of the benefits that we all get to share when we are members together is it lends support to our spiritual growth. In Hebrews chapter 10, we see this. Let us consider how all of us together may spur one another toward love and good needs. When we're together, the benefit is, man, we spur each other on. Right? We, 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 we motivate each other. This Tuesday night, the brotherhood's going to meet, and there's going to be some motivation there. The motivation to get you there is the food. <laughs> then the motivation to go out is what we have that night and go and be men of God. Right? A couple of weeks ago, you had the lift meeting where the ladies, the food got you there. I, I guess food uh, attracts women. I, it may not be the same, right? But, but I guess it does, right? The food attracted the women, and then, and then there was encouragement, and you all get to go out encouraged, right? 
But difficult times, they're a part of the life of the church, and they're going to be a part of St. Angel's First Church of Nazarene, and we're not going to always be perfect. And when we fall short, we need to ask God to help us. But here's, here's the thing, right? There's, this is mutual benefits and the risks. The risks are that sometimes the church may not be perfect. It may not be there for you in every single moment. And, and, there's, and here's also the risk. Sometimes you're going to have to be the one which inconveniences you to be there for someone else. Right? You're going to need to be someone's spiritual mentor, spiritual coach, spiritual spur or honor. That's not a word. <laughs> Maybe it is. I just made it up, though. Um, it, also, it also grants spiritual protection in your life, right? When you are with a group of people, they are praying for you. Right? When you're with a group of people, they, they, they provide for you an example. There's this phrase that I, I love. It, it, it's if you roll around with the dogs, you're probably going to catch fleas. Right? When you're around people who are covered in, when you're around the dogs who got fleas, you might catch the fleas. When you're around people who are, who are good examples, y'all have this ability, we have this ability to, to protect each other from going astray. And the church in addition to just, just friendships and, and relationships, churches filled with pastors and teachers and elders and mentors and other servants who help us all to mature and grow. The church, being a part of the church, also presents you and gives you opportunities to use your gifts. Right? We're called to use our gifts, and the church does that. And so what that means for you and for me is that there's going to be a time where, the, where an opportunity is mentioned, whether it's in the announcements or whether it's on a bulletin board, or you're going to have an opportunity and you're going to have to say, yes, I'm going to do what you want me to do, God. There's other going to be times where, where you're going to need to teach someone how to do something. Last night I was able to go to this, this coon hunt fundraiser up in Deep Step, and some of you were there and some of you weren't. You've heard of it. It's a, it's a fundraiser that helps raise money for, for uh, high school graduates and helps them uh, get scholarships. It was a great time at it, but, but the person who gave the talk person who gave the talk, he doesn't speak, he talks, he says. Uh, those of you who know who it is, you know what I'm talking about. Um, he reminded us, he reminded us in his talk that we need to invest in others. It doesn't cost a lot of money. It just costs some time. And sometimes it can be out on a coon hunt. Sometimes it can be in the garage. Sometimes it can be in a Sunday school classroom or in the car as you're driving down the road. It, it, it's inconvenient at times because it might take you three times as long to get that project done. But you've, you've also taught and educated. So some of you and I are, are, are going to be called to do that. And we're going to have to remember that the inconveniences are worth it. Parents and dads, your kids, they might get in the way. But man, we're going to be called to do that. Include them in what we're doing so they learn how to do stuff. We don't need any more 30-year-olds who don't know how to change their car oil, right? Or better than that, change their windshield wiper blades, right? If you're 30-year-olds and you don't know how to do that, I'm not trying to pick on you. <laughs> it's your mom or your dad's fault, okay? <laughs> I'm picking on your parents. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Just in case I've offended you, uh, please forgive me. So as we wrap up, the band's going to come. Here's, here's the opportunity I have, I have for you, right? I would like to first acknowledge that this, this church, church does amazing, amazing things, things already, already. Right? right? 
we are functioning in a, this church, you guys are healthy. You are strong. You have pastors, board members, directors, ministry leaders who are providing you opportunities all over the place. There is so much good happening that you see and then some that you don't see. I found out the other day that there's this freezer over there filled with casseroles. And every time somebody needs something, there's people who are making them and people who are delivering them constantly. And some of you have been the recipients of those things. Some of you, maybe that's something you like to get involved with. It is an amazing thing what this church does through that ministry. Right? There are people who, throughout the week, who are part of our prayer teams that are praying for all y'all. Right? They may not know your needs, but they're praying for you. And God knows your needs, and God's answering your prayers, and there's protection, and there's, there's people who are praying for you. We all get together every week to worship, and, and we're, we're going to continue to do that together as we wrap up this morning. But here's the ways you can respond. First, you might have heard God nudging you. Maybe, you're, maybe you need to make that step of membership, that commitment of being a church member. You've been attending for years, but maybe you want to say, you know what, church, I'm committed to you. I want to be committed to you. Maybe that's where some of you are. And if that's you, please let me know. Send me an email. Talk to me after the service, uh, and we'll take you through a class, and, and you'll be able to join the church, and it'll be a great, great time. Maybe there's some of you who've been holding off from making the commitment because you think that you've not done things right. You think you're imperfect. You don't, maybe you don't have your life all together yet. Maybe you've got something going on that you don't want anybody to know about some struggle, some sin, some just insecurity. Maybe today what God's wanting you to do is just, just get that right and ask him, ask God to help you with that. There may be some of you who heard about how you guys take care of each other but aren't a part of the family and would love to have a family like that. Maybe you feel alone or neglected or you don't have family with you every week and, and you, you heard that and you want to be a part of that and and. And you want to come down here to these altars and pray, God, I want that. Please give it to me. And there may be something that God's been talking to you that's completely unrelated to anything I even said this morning. And so that's been on your mind all morning, and you hadn't heard anything I said. Maybe that's what you need to respond to God about. So we're going to open the altars. The band's going to play. Please use this time to respond to what God wants, okay? Let's pray. Jesus, may your will be done in the life of your church. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.